Yeah, man, it's the one and only DJ Chase. We are here today. We are back with the one, the only homeboy, the legend. All right, you you, you heard him on some classic Yin Yang Twins tracks. You heard him on some tracks with BG. You heard him on WWE's Intent. You heard him on, you know, Coach Carter. You know, you heard his own records, the independent, you know, the guru. Uh, I would say Griffin George's legend. You know what I'm saying? The new album, How to Tame an Elephant, out now. The the the, the documentary, the fly documentary right now is out on Tubi. The one and only homeboy. How you doing today, brother? Man, always good, my bro. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Good. good, good, good. Now, you know what's funny? You know, I'm a New York boy, but I'm here in the South now. I'm in North Carolina right now. So I had to, yeah, yeah, yeah I had man, to get some of the Southern cool. living. Funny thing, uh, the artist Dice Payne uh, that yeah. I actually got on the project, he's actually in North Carolina right now. Mm. Um, and he's a part of the Blocks camp. Nice. Yeah, 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 for sure, for yeah. sure. Now, now you got the documentary out, so I want to ask a lot of questions about your background because that molds who you are. You know, a lot of people, from what I was seeing, they all say that you're a good-hearted person, you're a good-spirited person, and, you know, they speak very highly of you. So now, first and foremost, you're from Griffin, Georgia, correct? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. And how was life growing up in Griffin, Georgia for you? Uh, shoot, man. It, it's it's so p- to 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 give the listeners uh to paint the picture. Mm-hmm. I'm from a town where when I grew up, man, it was only one high school. Oh, wow, like, okay. For, for the whole city, right? Yeah. So in my, my graduation class, it was probably 400 of us, which is like odd for South, for the yeah. South, you know, yeah. from a population perspective. So Man, I grew up where um, you didn't have any recording studios. Um, you didn't have access to, you know, a lot of producers. It, it was it was very um, uh, suburban, rural, you know, mm. um, outside of the the, the perimeter of um, Atlanta. So I, I'm I'm on the outskirts. So they don't even mm-hmm. really consider me to be from yeah like the metro area, <laughs> even, though, even though we are yeah, yeah. in Atlanta is like, nah, y'all from the country. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I kind of took it like that, you know, because like I said, me being new Southern, you know, Southern boy now, I consider myself, I've been here two weeks, but, you know, I'm, I'm consider myself, you know, you kind of feel that love. But one thing with the South, you know, you guys grind and, you know, uh, coming up, yeah. you know, your brother Pete inspired you to be a rapper. And um, did you know that bef- even before that? Because, you know, I have a, two little brothers too and they be doing stuff and I'm like, you be watching me like that? So, before you know, before yeah. your brother Pete did music and left to the military, did you always know you wanted to do music? Nah, man, it's funny. So I'm I'm also artistic. So I, I used to mm. draw a lot. Um, I actually wanted to go to school for like uh, cartoons and uh, animation and stuff. Oh wow, okay. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't necessarily. Um, I, lo- I always loved music. You know, like most of us yeah. do, but it wasn't you know like at the forefront of anything that i wanted to do until my brother kept messing with me and then i was like yeah i'm gonna prove something to you you know got you got you now during the 80s and the 90s you know georgia is not you know it wasn't the powerhouse that it is today it, it definitely you know we new yorkers we definitely didn't like i, I like outcasts but a lot of new yorkers were very stubborn you know did you right. um you know, being from Griffin, Georgia, did you ever feel like discouraged being from a, a small city like that you couldn't make it, you know, because you wasn't in a big city? Yeah, absolutely, man. Because, see, like being from outside of the perimeter of Atlanta, you had it mm. twofold. So it was mm. like, like, OK, I already know that 
you know, how New York actually looks at anything outside of New York trying to do <laughs> hip hop. Right? Yeah. It, it was just wasn't considered hip hop if it wasn't New York. Yeah. And so did I have that aspect of it? I also had the aspect of Atlanta being a, a budding, you know, city for music, trying to get their, you know, mark mm-hmm. on the game saying, okay, anything outside of the perimeter of Atlanta, we we don't want to hear that either. Mm-hmm. So I had to fight both adversities to get, yeah. you know, to where I where I ultimately got. Yeah. Got you, got you. And uh, who did you listen to growing up? You know what I'm saying? Like, who who, who are some of, like, the ma- major artists? Like, maybe, like, one or two. Who did you listen to growing up? As far as rappers? Yeah, rappers. Yeah. Oh, anything. Any music Any music that you listen to growing up? Man, it's, as far as music, man, I listen to a lot of uh, Stevie Wonder. listen mm. to a lot of Prince, Michael Jackson, um, Donny Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, when we start talking about rappers, um, yeah. I used to listen to a lot. Kilo Ali, you know, mm. from from Georgia. A lot of people don't know anything about. Um, I used to listen to um, MC Shadi. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to listen to uh, LL Cool J, of course, and Ice Cube and NWA. You know, kind of growing up. So I listened to a multitude of things. Mm. And then, like uh, Busta Rhymes, Leaders in the New School, kind of came out, did what they did. Like I was a big Busta Rhymes fan. Still am, man. Like he's still <laughs> to me one of the yeah. best. Um, MCs as well as uh entertainers. Yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, I seen him on concert a few times and he always the best one. Yeah. Always the best one. Yeah. <laughs> always the best yeah. one. And um, you know, how did you come up with the name Homeboy from Psycho? How did you get you was psychopathic and psycho and then you know you got homeboy? How, that ain't nowhere near yeah. each other. How'd you get that? Yeah, man. So funny. Um, I was in a local rap group with 10 other members. So we was we were trying to be like the Southern Wu Tang clan, right? So yeah. we had groups within within that clique um and i was the shortest one but i was also the one that had the most energy out of everybody mm, got you so when we would go perform and do shows because they, it was so many of us they would just always say man homeboy right there mm. homeboy right there homeboy right there and, they, they, and i heard it so much the way i was like you know what it, i think it'll be dope if i take the name homeboy and put a put a face to it so i'm gonna mm. be the face of homeboy say so every time somebody say homeboy I want them to think about me. And so that's how it <laughs> came about. Yeah. yeah, that's super dope. Now, one thing I didn't notice that both of your parents are super duper supportive. Well, were support well, it's supportive and were supportive of your career. You know, once again, that's very important for new artists, you know, because like I said, a lot of artists, you know, they don't get support. You feel me? And did that help your focus that your mom, you know, you had such a supportive family that did that help you like motivate you more? It, it helped me. A couple ways. So my mom got super supportive after I proved. Gotcha. I okay. So her, gotcha. She was the one. She was the parent saying, "No, uh, uh-uh. mm. no hell no, not no music. You going to school? You going to college? You know." Yeah. So that was her train of thought. And you know, I had uncles that you know were in uh, local gospel groups and stuff. And so she was like, "Yeah, you know, I've watched my brother try to do this. My brother wasn't able to do it." I'm not going to, you know, you're going to go to school. But my dad, on the other hand. Yeah. Um, but like, again, like I said, we didn't really have a lot of recording studios or access to them. So, yeah, I learned how to do. So my dad actually uh, co-signed with me on my first uh, professional keyboard. Nice. So, you know, it was my dad that was like, OK, yeah, I'll take you to the studio until you get old enough to drive and take yourself. So <laughs> that's how so usually is. My dad, <laughs> my dad the same way. <laughs> dad pushing me yeah. that way. But I think for my mom's 
you know, kind of being like, nah, you're going to school. I don't think this is possible. That's where that 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 whole hustle mentality, that grind was like, nah, hell no. Nah. I'm going to prove to you yeah. that I can do this. The first thing that I was able to do to prove to my mom that I had made it was actually performing on Soul Train for the first time. So Wow. And that was way after, later in your career. That's every after everything. You yeah, know, and so I, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, like, cause okay. I, yeah, yeah, because that's true. Because, like I said, a lot of people, you know, once again, so many people will look up to artists like you and they'd be like, you know, they get discouraged, especially now with streaming and all the bad things you hear about the industry. People feel like, you know, people don't support me, so I'm not going to do it. And I, I want to ask this question right now. Major turning point in high school, you know, this was a crazy, this is a crazy story that I was looking at that uh, a, a young lady tried to basically pin a baby on you. And, uh, you know, how did that situation affect you as far as your music? Um, as far as my music, it didn't uh, affect me in a, in a negative way. Um, mm -hmm. It gave me that. I almost looked like once all that stuff kind of came out, I looked, at, I looked at it like I had a second shot. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I didn't have anything that could hold me back, you know, like I did then. Because I was like, okay, I got to be a father. I got to make moves a particular yeah. kind of way. And so once everything kind of unfolded and it turned out not to be my kid, I was like, okay, this is my second shot to not screw it up. And now I can really go hard. I can really do the stuff that I need to do. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, it was a positive for me from a music perspective. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Now, you know, coming into rap, you know, one thing I've noticed from your music and just like what gets, what, what sets you apart was that you take your flow and your wordplay very, very seriously. Uh, you know, what why why do you why do you take wordplay and flow so seriously? Yeah, uh it was because of New York. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Got you. And I'm being honest, man. Like, so coming from the South, if you were going to get any cosign from New York at all, yeah. you had to know how to rap. You had to be a wordsmith, you had to yeah. be able to be diverse so it was like for me i just came up in the era where i couldn't get away with simplistic you know rap i had to not mm. only be good with my wordplay i had to also have good delivery and and different styles that i could play with to set myself apart so that's one of the main reasons why you know i um mm. take that seriously. yeah yeah yeah. and i do want to ask this question now now in, independent you you something that i did notice too like you know uh about you being from the South and, and being from a small city in the South. Now you were independent before independent became popular. You definitely like knew about being independent. Like what made you understand to be independent so young? Um, so for me, it was just really, that's all we had. Like mm -hmm. the only thing that I had at the time was the ability to go out put the music out on CDs and, and tapes and, and move around. And so the, again, like coming from an area where you didn't have access to everything, you had to have, like, I, I call it just a business mentality. You, yeah, yeah. you had to have that business, business mentality to say, okay, if I want people to know about me, I can't be afraid to communicate. I got to go out and actually move and, and make these moves myself. And so doing that, I started to network with a lot of different people that could add to what I was doing. And that's kind of what gave me that whole independent, mm. you know, mind frame from an early start. For sure. For sure. And then, you know, being that, like I said, you signed your first, you know, we were your group at the time you signed to mirror image records, you know, how was that experience yeah. signing with an independent label? Like, so you like, 
you know, being independent, but then signing with a major, uh, excuse me, with an independent label. How was that experience for you? Um, at first, it was pretty cool, man. Like uh, Lil John um, and the East Side Boys was actually artists on the same label. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Cool Ace, yeah, Cool Ace and Nivea as well. Um, and the, the guy that owned the label, he was really, really cool with Pimp C and Bun B, mm. as well as uh, MC Breed. So mm. I was able to, and George Clinton <laughs> as yeah. well. So I was able to, you know, get around... Um, a lot of the people who I actually looked up to at that particular time by being on that label. And mm. it was cool, man. It was cool until I started to understand the business. <laughs> you know, at first yeah. it was like, yeah, we're going to the studio, we're recording, you know, uh, we're, we're doing shows, you know, this, that, and the third. But then, you know, when it started talking, about, okay, we're doing a lot of stuff, but I don't see no money. Like, I mm. thought we were supposed to get paid, you yeah. know, from, from doing this music thing. And then, yeah. you know, Going through that once, once the once the once the business came into it, mm -hmm. that's when I was like, yeah, this this is uh, a <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> got you, got yeah. you. And then fast forward now, you 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 broke you, you know you kind of left the group, you kind of relocated and things like that. And your first, you know, I guess I would say breakout single or introduction single, give me a break, which was self produced. Yep. You know, like what made you just say, you know what, I got to step out of my comfort zone, but be in a group because you never seem like the type to be comfortable being solo but what made you want to do yeah. your first record uh give me a break um again understanding the business so like at the same time when we were signed to mirror image mm -hmm. the group that i was in was actually signed to a uh independent record label as well right so again like like i said it was 10 of us but we had groups within that whole segment mm -hmm. uh, of people so myself and, and another partner of mine, we had a group together and we were signed to Mirror Image together as mm. that group. Okay. Um, the overall group, the Red Clay Warriors, was actually signed to a independent deal as well. And so the business part of it is basically why I went solo, because we none of us understood the business. And so <laughs> when that guy came yeah. in and he was asking, you know, who produced the tracks? I was like, me. Mm. Well, who wrote? On the, we went through every song we had. It was like, so 90% of the, the songs I wrote the hook for. Mm. Um, certain individuals in the group I actually wrote their verses for on some of the songs. Yeah. And so because of that, from a business perspective, he was saying, well, because you've done so much, your percentage has to be higher than theirs. Mm. And they were like, well, we're all one group. So we <laughs> all should get paid equally. He's like, yeah. yeah, but you're all not doing equal work. And so, man, it just came a situation where it was just like, okay, either I step away so that I can, so that we can make this equal. Mm. I'll either be a producer, and and I'll lead a rap part alone, and I'll still be a member, but I just be a producer, or I'll be a rapper, and we'll just find beats from mm. some other people. But no matter which way I tried to spin it, they they didn't want to do any of it. They wanted me to do all of what I was doing, but they still wanted me to get paid the, paid same, the same way. <laughs> and so, man, it just caused yeah. so many different conflicts Got within you. the group. It's like, you know what, man? I just, yeah, I'm out, man. So, yeah, I feel yeah, you. So I, I ended up going solo just because of, of you know, understanding yeah. how business works. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but like I said, that's the good thing about learning because, you know, and I'm going to keep reiterating through this interview that, you know, a lot of artists, they don't understand a lot of the business. They just say, like, especially now with social media, everybody just peaks and then that's it. They don't have nothing else to, to the longevity. So, you know, at going solo, 
at what point did you meet Mr. Kali Park? Like, what point did you meet uh, Kali Park? So after I did Give Me a Break, which I felt like was going to be the last song that I ever did, because yeah. I was just like, man, I've already been solo. You know, I've, I've I've done the independent thing. You know what? Maybe this music thing probably just some. Give Me a Break. So I did Give Me a Break, and my manager at the time had his own uh, retail music store. Mm-hmm. And so Mr. Kali Park would actually come in get scans for some of the yin yang twin mm-hmm. albums when that was the whole hustle and so he was he was playing the song and and, and he was like who is that he was like man that, that's my artist i've been telling you about he was like let's let, let's talk and so yeah after that man you know, that's just how he and i kind of you know gotcha. got, got introduced yeah after i did give me a break after he heard that that was the song of mine that he heard it was like okay this dude is actually you know serious so yeah, 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 for sure. And, and I want to ask this, like, you know, it's always like it always seems like that, like you ready to quit, and then you get with Kylie Park, and then he wanted you to do a record with the Yin Yang Twins called Halftime. I, I that was my record, and Kyle, I was in college when that record came out. That was my jam. So, uh, you yeah. know, how was that experience, like, uh, you know, being independent and and going through all this? Like, what in your head is like now? You now you're finally recording with a major group at this point. You know, how was that? Ex- how was that experience? Um, I was still burnt out, man. Like I didn't, mm. I didn't care who Mr. Cody Paul were at that wow. time. Wow. Okay. Uh, and being honest with you, man, it could have been Jermaine Dupree, and I still would have had wow the same feelings because I was like, man, I've been down this road before. Yeah. And I've signed two independent record deals. Now mm-hmm. you're coming in. You're saying so. I, you know, honestly, man, like the conversation for me and him, like after he sent me the the, the um instrumental for the for the track halftime. I actually wrote my verse on my way to the studio to record it. Mm. Had never met Ying Yang or anything. Yeah. And so I haven't even met Mr. Kylie Park in person at that particular <laughs> Oh, time. wow. Okay. And yeah. So, man, uh, once we got to the studio and we recorded it, um, he was just like, man, I want to sign you, man. What is it going to take? I was like, bro, I don't, I don't want to sign another record deal. He was like, man, mm. just what is, it, what is it, man? What can I do? And I was like, look, bro, the only way I'm going to sign a deal now is I'm going to have to be on TV. I'm going to have to be on the radio because I want to show my mama that I can really, you know, do yeah. what I said I'm going to do. And so, like I said, the first thing I did was the performance for Soul Train, which was the first time that I actually met D-Rock and Kane for the first time. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. That's that's crazy. And But, you know, like I said, unfortunately, that's how the music business goes. And, uh, you know, OK, so you finally get this. So after the Soul Train performance and the record, you finally sign on paper to Kylie Park, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, so, yeah. yeah. At that point, I just felt like, well, man, this guy has proven. Yeah. He he did everything that I asked, you know, of him. Yeah. You know, now it's time to make money, and that's when you know, man, like everything yeah. was good for a little while, but then again, understand the business, and you know, certain things started. You know, I was like, here we go again. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. and I do want to ask this, right? So I, I want to ask, let's get into some music business topics for a quick second, right? So now you, you've mm-hmm. done all this, you've been in two major deal, uh, two independent deals, you you sign a sort of major deal in a sense, and then you know what are, what are some things you've been on soundtracks? You can use on the soundtrack, Coach Carter soundtrack, the WWE's you know soundtrack and stuff like that. You know what is, in your opinion, what are some things that you feel uh, new artists should look out for in contracts? Perpetuity clause. Forever. If you don't know what that means, perpetuity means for forever. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> clause, 
Um, yeah. Also, um, in a, in a contract, understanding what you, what you have rights to and what you don't have rights to. Mm. Um, I didn't I didn't have the best attorney, so my my manager found our my attorney, right? Yeah. But I didn't know until probably about five years ago that the way he found my attorney was through Mr. Collie Park's attorney saying, hey, man, I got an attorney for y'all. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so crazy. It was a lot. Yes, yeah, so it was a lot of things in my contract that probably would have never been in my contract had I had a attorney that wasn't cool yeah. with the attorney of the label. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so I will also say, even outside of the contract, make sure that whoever is representing you, make sure you understand what their relationship looks like with the people that you're about to sign with. Because if they're mm. all in the bed with each other, they all friends. Yeah, they all friends. Yep, they all friends. Yeah, yeah. And right. I did. Well, I want. I want to touch on this, right? Because this is something that's very, very particular to your story as well. Now, your turning point was, uh, you know, you had a video shoot, and according to Kylie Park. You know, you had brought a, a female to the video shoot. You guys kind of had a clash. And, you know, I want to ask this. Do you feel like overall from that situation, you know, because from that situation, knowing you've been independent, do you feel like that actually helps your career or hurts your career? Um, so I have to answer that by giving y'all because I didn't ever tell the story. So yeah. what happened was. So I have a, I have a, I have three daughters. Mm. Um, my old biological daughter, me and her mother was together at the time. Mm. And so of course, you know, this is my first major, you know, uh, video shoot. My sister wants to come. My baby mama wants to come. You know, some of my homeboys want to come yeah. the night before the video shoot. Uh, Mr. Kyler Park called me. He was like, hey, man, um, just want to holler at you real quick. Who all you got coming to the video shoot? And I was like, well, my sister, my homeboy Pooh, my homeboy Eagle, my baby mama, you know. And he was like, well, uh, you might you might want to leave your baby mama at home. So that's how he said it at first. I was like, I think everything will be cool, bro. He was like, well, it might be some scenes where we may have some strippers or something. I said, well, I'll, you know, I said, what I'll do is I'll let her know that. And then she don't feel comfortable, then, you mm. know, cool. I just at home, man, and we'll just, you know, keep it moving. Yeah. And then, so she and I had a conversation. She was like, I'm cool, you know. So I was just like, hey, man, you know, she said she cool with it. He was like, well, now I'm telling you, if she comes, we're going to have a problem. I'm like, so, whoa, wait a minute, bro. So I'm just like, how you going to try to tell me that my baby mama can't come to my video shoot? And if she do, we're going to have a problem. Man, I went through this with D. Rock and Kane and this, this, and third. I'm telling you, if she show up, we got a problem. And, and as a grown man, because I wasn't a kid. So as a grown man, when another grown man is trying to tell you what you can and what you can't do. You don't have a problem do, with it. No, like, we already got a problem. Before yeah. We even, before we <laughs> right, right, right. We already have a problem. And so what what made it worse and what he didn't say was, when we when we shot the video, he was just letting people in. He let a lot of his homeboys in. He was just letting other people homeboys in. He was letting people in who had homeboys who were just part of a crew, mm. right? So when my sister and my baby mama at the time showed up and my partner Pooh, they were like, no, nah, y'all can't get in. And my sister was like, why can't I get in? This is my brother's video shoot. And so yeah. from there, of course, 
you're making something escalate, especially when they see everybody else. You're letting everybody else in, but you're specifically not letting them in. Yeah, you probably are going to have some issues. So when he was like somebody was acting a donkey, probably so, because it's apparent that you're trying to keep these people out but you're okay with everybody else coming in. Yeah, so, man. That's how it, that's, that's the, that's the, the stupid part. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so basically, because he was causing, you know, he's trying to play you in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Right, right. So, so like I said, man, at, at that point, I was, you know, leading, even leading up to that, there were certain things that happened. Like, for example, hmm. I um, ended up signed to Asylum Warner, hmm. but we had a million dollar deal that we signed with EMI through uh, John Platt for people who don't know. Who and that, okay, so basically, now I'm gonna break this down for artists. So one is a record contract, and the other one's a publishing deal. So if you don't know what that, that's the difference. So that's what that that's what the, he's explaining right now for those who are listening. And so with uh, John, we sign the information. We waiting for everything to come through. We waiting for the signed signature from them back to us, right? Mm. But then that's what uh, Jermaine Dupree was actually going to be, uh, I think, president of the urban department of, of uh, EMI, whatever happened at that time. And so from my understanding, what I was told was there was a conversation between Mr. Park and, and Jermaine Dupree. Yeah. Jermaine was like, nope, I'm not giving y'all no million dollar deal. Um, I don't know what the number that he threw out. Mm. But then he was like, also, uh, we want 50 percent. I want to produce 50% of the album and I want Brat to write 50% of the album. So I was like, that's nah. crazy. I mean, I, I like Brat. She cool, but I can, I can hold my own. I, I don't, I don't need a writer. So yeah. again, I understand the business. I, I ain't even mad at Jermaine for saying, Hey, I'm going to make sure all my people eat, you know, off of this situation. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Mr. Paul saying, no, I'm not mad at that either, but we had a bidding war going on. We had Def Jam, who wanted to sign me? We had mm. TVT, we had Sony, um, as well as the whole thing with Asylum Warner. Mm. And so I had asked Smurf, I'm like, okay, well, since we're not going with you know uh EMI, so we're gonna go on over with KP mm. Juan Prather over at Sony when he was over there with Sony. He was like, nah, I was like, why not? Well, I kind of told everybody that we had already signed a deal. I'm like, what? How you gonna tell people we signed a deal before we got the deal right so yeah. and again you know me already had gone through being a businessman in this myself i'm like bro you don't let your right hand know what your left hand doing and that's exactly what i said to him yeah. so we had already started it had started getting ugly man um yeah. and then with the whole thing with the where they at song it was my song first yeah featuring b yeah. we did a licensing agreement so that BG could release his own version of yeah, because I want to ask about that because we're gonna talk about that in a quick second too. Like the yeah. yeah. And so once, <laughs> he, once we did that, we got the video, but BG and I never performed that song together ever since yeah. that day. We did the video and that was it. So I was like, damn, bro. Like, so when all of that stuff is going on, bro, like yeah. I honestly felt like what I asked for out of yeah. the music industry, I got exactly what I asked for. You know, I was able to prove to my mom I could do it on a major mm. scale. I was able to do that. The song was in movies, video games. I was on DJ Khaled's first album with Scrappy. So, I mean, man, I, I, I've done so much yeah. to where I felt like what I asked for, I got that tenfold. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, did, did I become a household name? Nah. 
Um, but nah, but I don't look at it like that. Like, that yeah, I, I don't look at it like that. And uh, if it clicks over, we're gonna click back on as well too. I'm gonna edit it, so don't worry about it. Uh, you know, yeah. and and even like with the song, uh, the the I would, give me a break with the Nell Carter sample, right? And that that was another thing I was looking yep. at too. That it, get, it started giving you uh, sample clearance issues as well too. Like, you know, what advice? No, so we, oh, we, okay, we, didn't that we, didn't happen? Okay, yeah. So we could have gotten clearance. The yeah. Problem was. I produced the track 100%. Yeah. Mr. Kyle Park didn't produce any of the track. Yeah. So his cut didn't make sense for what they were asking for for the sample clearance. It was like, well, I'm not going to make that much money off of it if we if we do clear it. So uh, yeah. let's just find another record. So, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> now, I do want to ask this question too, man. Like you received now, after all of this and you finally found out that from the BG licensing deals, the song with the BG, the license deal, you only receive one dollar in royalties because of what you signed. Crazy. Well, it was actually not the royalties. It was actually the um. So like you know when you do a licensing agreement, you mm-hmm. get upfront money. Okay. Right. So Mr. Kyler Park and team had got whatever it was that they were. I don't even know how much the licensing deal was for. Mm-hmm. I just know after I did the um, I had a case study done on my situation is where the 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 uh, professor who was was teaching that course was like, "Hey, bro." He gave me a dollar. He said, "I was like, what's this for?" He was like, "Well, that's all you owe." I was like, "What?" So I mean, man, yeah, bro, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been through yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, I, I went through yeah. that. I also went through my attorney was supposed to do my publishing paperwork for me. I actually paid him. He didn't do it. So I actually had to go back and do that myself, uh, which ultimately gave me back payment of yeah. money that I never received. Yeah. Because again, so man, I'm telling you, bro, like it was the yeah. it was the business for me. Yeah, yeah. I feel <laughs> you. I feel you. Now we're gonna jump around a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I said, the independent album, uh, how to tame an elephant, you know what I'm saying? The documentary's out now. Now you're a family man, mm-hmm. you're a mentor. You know what I'm saying? What made you uh put out the documentary finally about your life? Um, I just wanted to be able to tell my story. Um, mm-hmm. I hope, you know, coming from a small town that probably not many people have ever heard of. Yeah. I just wanted to inspire um someone else who may be from a small town or maybe even from a big city that feel like because they're where they're at, they can't navigate the waters. I'm like, man, don't don't think that way like if i can make it out of a city with one high school i'm sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know others do the same thing man because yeah. the world is is a whole lot different now you got more access to people so i just wanted to mm-hmm. tell my story to hopefully to inspire somebody else to be able to do it for sure and uh you know the, the album is fire by the way i, I and I, I you know i don't like i i listen to southern music but i listen to more like underground rap so you know right. how to tame an elephant you know what inspired that title as well like what made that title? because like i said you got killer mike who just won all them grammys and you know you got uh mr rude and you got you got the atlanta the the, the pillars of atlanta you feel me what, what inspired that title um i was thinking about how they actually tame elephants you know they take mm. elephants when they're on they saw the razor blades into chains so when they move they get cut over time, it's a mental condition where they feel like if, as long as I feel something around my leg, I know I can't break free. Wow. So I feel like as artists, you know, we get done the same way. A lot of times artists get bad information when they mm. first start. Like, yeah, man, your first deal won't be your best deal. And if you <laughs> hit that and you get yeah. that in your mentality, you, you will always think that you're powerless or you yeah. won't even think that you 
have as much power as you do. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what, man, the same thing that happens to elephants, it's the same thing that happened to us as artists, but we're more powerful than we give our credit, you know, ourselves credit for. So I just felt yeah. like, you know, having that title would just say everything yeah. that I wanted to say. Basically, that's a fire. That's a that's a definitely a fire title for both the documentary and the, you know, the uh, uh the EP. Excuse me, the album. Excuse me. And I, I do one of my yeah. last questions. I do want to ask this, right? And this is something I kind of was like, eh, you know, but you put it in there. You was very honest in the documentary. Yeah. Mister Collie Park says something very particular, and I don't know if anybody caught it. He said you should have listened. And then, yeah. you know, and that was very, very Nick with me, you know, how do you feel like, you know, do you feel like major labels have your best interests at heart or do you feel like they just make worried about making a quick dollar? I mean, it's business. They have their best interests. Yeah. You're just a product. Mm. And as long as you're making the money, they'll do whatever, you know, they need to do in order to keep money rolling in. But as soon as that product is no longer bringing in the revenue that they wanted, then, you know. Hey, let me move on to the next pro product, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one thing artists have to understand. When when you when you are signed to a label, you are a product of that label, and they're yeah. only gonna do what that product is allowing them to do. So, yeah. at that point, you start giving them trouble. Uh, you know what? Let us move our focus somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I feel like for him to say that, I mean, maybe he felt, maybe he feel like I I, I could have been larger than what i what i did and that's that's cool yeah. but i also would say that i ain't hurting for nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and my very 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 last question before we got here homeboy yeah. is this right now you were even in something that was very particular and i saved this for last was that you all while going through all of this you were going through and still doing music and traveling and being in studios you know you still had a regular job and a lot of people don't know that so with that being said my very last question is this what advice do you have for anyone trying to get into the music business right now? Keep your day job first because you got to have money to invest in yourself. Um, don't be lazy. You know, um, understand the business. Start looking at podcasts. You know, start, you know, like yourself. Get educated. Um, read some books. <laughs> uh, understand how the money moves because if you don't understand how the money moves you're always going to make bad decisions right so yeah those are the top things and i would say this too instead of pushing out a hundred songs take a take a song and put some focus behind that one song because i think a lot of time artists feel like if i put out a hundred songs one of them will catch we well, have a hundred million artists putting out a hundred songs yeah nah man you have to take time to actually start marketing the songs that you put out. And then if they don't work, move on to something else. Yeah. But in the process of marketing, you will start building a name for yourself. Just putting out a whole bunch of music don't do that for you. There you go. And on that note, we are out of here. Griffin George's own the South Legend homeboy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can they find you? On, I mean, they can't find you, but where can they find you? Independent artist style. Where can they find you? Where can they get your music? All of that. Yeah, man. So uh, Homeboy, and I spell it H-O-M-E-B-W-O-I. Um, Twitter is Homeboy. Instagram, The Real Homeboy. Facebook, Homeboy. Pretty much type in Homeboy the way that I spell it, and everything is going to pop up. So I'm, I'm the only one with that name the way that yeah. it's spelled. <laughs> you know this man is trademark. DJ Chase. They, 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 I know that was crazy. My trademark, my name, my DJ Chase name, Just I just got approved for it, so I'm happy. It took me a year okay. to fight for my name, but I got it.
<laughs> you know this man DJ Chase, the pregame party of his podcast, right here on WDJC DB DJ Chase Radio. We got the one, the only homeboy. The fire album, go stream it. How to tame an elephant is a classic Southern album, Southern rap as that classic sound that you like. Not just trap, it's just classic Southern music. The documentary out now on Tubi, How to Tame an Elephant, blasting off. You know this man is DJ Chase, the pregame party of his podcast, DJ Chase Radio dot com and DJ Chase dot net. Yeah. <laughs> 